1: Neurotic nourishment. I had never heard of the term until I talked to my guest today, Lindsay Weisner. Lindsay is just full of life and full of vigor and excitement and passion for what she does. I think that in our lives that many times we're not following the things that we really want to do. I applaud Lindsay for doing that and for taking the time to speak with me today. I think you'll see she's a ball of fire. She's amazing. She's fun. We jump all over the place. We just have a good time. Life's a lot about having a good time. Say yes to good times and say yes to good conversations. Enjoy the conversation that I had with Lindsay Weisner. Lindsay Wisner. I'm like, I know I, I booked this a long time ago <laughs> was her.
2: You did, but it's given me, given me a lot of time to stock your episodes and get excited. Oh my gosh.
1: So. You've been stalking my episodes.
2: A little bit. Yeah.
1: What do you think so far?
2: I like it. Um, I'm listening to uh, the woman who's talking about branding for doctors.
1: Oh, Kristen Ruby. Yeah.
2: Yes. And um, it was really interesting. And Um, I wouldn't mind someone making me the next Dr. Oz, but, um, but, but I also agree that we need a, um, like, it's sort of like surgeons that have no bedside manners. A lot of doctors don't understand the marketing side of it. Um, and so it was interesting and at least for myself, I don't think it takes away from, I mean, I have a very loud social media presence and a podcast and a, um you know uh a book coming out and all these things and I work with suicidal teens, so I think it all sort of goes together
1: yeah well that all sounds extremely interesting by the way <laughs> um I think you're on my buddy's podcast uh Sean McCoy yes the I table. was
2: I like him so much I did see that you it sorry, I'm gonna strip I'm gonna strip just you're
1: stripping right me. now. Lindsay is stripping on camera. I'm not gonna release the video unless you <laughs> pay me. Unless you pay me. I don't um, know.
2: <laughs> at this point in my life, I think I'd have to pay people to watch the video. No. Um uh yeah, I like Sean so much. It was so nice talking to him.
1: He's uh, a great really guy. Goodbye. Really chill, like he was always texting with me and we're having good, these deep conversations. He sends me like music to listen to and stuff, and He's just a good guy. I'm going to be on his uh, podcast coming up here soon. But um, Oh,
2: nice. Yeah, he was super it? nice. He says his wife and I are the same kind of people, so oh, I'm very trying nice. to arrange to talk to her because she has a pretty tough job. So
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's incredible. Well, I'm really thankful for you coming on, and uh, I was struck by the phrase, I think it's neurotic nourishment. yeah. Yes. I'm, I want to get into this. I, I have not heard this phrase before. Hit me with the lowdown on this.
2: Okay. So that is the name of uh, my podcast, which started because a very good friend and I were, she's a nutritionist and we were in the uh, playground with our kids over spring break last year and we were joking around and someone said, you guys should start a podcast. And then we started playing with names. And as like a writer, English major, um, bit of an OCD freak, I like things that rhyme or that I'm sorry, that there's like alliteration. And so I, we started throwing words around and at the time, neurotic nourishment was like, her as the nutritionist and me as um, a neurotic and B the mental health expert. But Mm -hmm. um, she has since, Left the show and parted amicably, and so uh, I am the sole host, and so now it's taken on sort of new meaning in that I'm hoping I'm hoping to provide some sort of food for your soul, so to speak, uh, you know. And so, except less holistic, cheesy, but um, you know, I like I want you to learn something. I want to provide some everyday life psychology in terms that people can understand and in a way that gets others as excited as I am. But I also have uh, found that one of the greatest things about having a podcast is being able to talk about things that make other people feel uncomfortable. Mm. And so I really want to make it my so so now like the the angle is for me to be able to give to leave you with something more than what you had before or more than what you knew before. So I have discussed you know uh, what it's like to mom while white versus momming while um, black. I have this and then uh, again I had this huge issue of like do I say black do I say African-American. So I asked I asked every question I've ever had you know i podcasted with a woman who lost her child um like at a very you know before their first birthday i have i podcasted with a dominatrix a dominatrix that's going to come in february and i'm
1: all about it i want to listen to that one
2: yeah it's i'll tell you when it airs and then like a polyamorous um Mm. family and so i'm Trying to get us to talk more about things that make us uncomfortable, because if we don't acknowledge our limitations and learn from it, then we're just dumb. You know, I mean, we're like, we're not making us better people. So, yes, I I think I have I'm sarcastic and I have um, a bit of humor and wit to me and I. You know, I have been known to tell my patients that if they kill themselves, I'm going to kill them, um, but only at the right moments. But, you know, sure. um, <laughs> so yeah. um, it's sort of I have two missions. One is to make you think and then to make you laugh and then also to give women's it's largely a female audience, but some sort of a, an intellectual outlet other than mothering.
1: Gotcha. So, one, those are some very interesting topics. Actually, it sounds like we're on a very similar pathway because I have some people coming on who have like one guy who's overcome porn addiction, like, oh, that kink. Sounds, yeah. yeah, actually, his is coming out next Monday, I want to say it's pretty good. um he was very honest, super honest, which I appreciate. and then I have uh, kind of this whole sex series coming out with uh like when I mentioned you said about like dominatrix so i was like i'm all about it i want to make it clear like i'm not doing it but I,
2: I gotcha. yeah <laughs>
1: but i'm all about that uh opening people's eyes to different things that are going on so i have a lady coming on who's like uh you know talk about kink and erotica and the whole thing and i just think it's interesting stuff like i like also talking about things that maybe people are not putting out there right uh, and like they keep it behind closed doors you know And I think why why are we doing that? Why are we keeping this stuff? It sounds like you're trying to get that out in the open too. Like, hey, let's just talk about this stuff.
2: I definitely am, and I am. Listen, not every episode I you know I recorded about you know breast cancer, like, but not. I don't want everything just because it's a serious topic doesn't mean we have to handle it seriously. And I also think that part of this is me being able to be brave enough to ask the questions that I probably earlier in my you know youth would not have asked because I would have felt uncomfortable or awkward or I would have just stuck my foot in my mouth with a you know blunt brash comment that could be considered offensive and now I still do the same thing but only at PTA meetings and otherwise okay. yes otherwise i like to to encourage us to talk more openly about, about things that we don't, you know. We hide behind What changed stores. for you? What changed? I, I turned 40. Okay. Um, I know that's a weird thing, but a friend of mine had told me that that would be... Because I was, like, dreading it the same way I dreaded 30. And she said, it. it's really empowering. For some reason, you start to know your own worth. And I do feel like I know my own worth more now. And also, I never thought I would ever work with suicidal patients because um, my own mother struggles with mental illness, um, substance abuse, and has attempted suicide multiple, like, times. And so, to me, that was always something I didn't think I could handle. And when I accidentally became the resident expert on uh, suicidal teens, I realized it was because... I was able to sit and hear without reacting because for better or for worse, I've been conditioned to this bizarre detachment that you have to have when it's a loved one. Um, right. So, and my parents don't know what a podcast is, so I get to talk about this all the time. Um, (laughs) and it's empowering to find my voice and finally talk about the things that I was either directly or indirectly told not to talk about in my youth.
1: So how has that manifested itself? Or what's been the result of you having these conversations? How has it affected you personally?
2: Um, Which conversations in particular?
1: Any of them. Just like being able to have these conversations that are maybe um, behind closed doors in the past, but now that they're out in the open, has that been freeing for you? Or what's the emotion that you've experienced since doing that?
2: very freeing and it's given me a place to put some of my anger and frustration at um either things that have happened to me or things that have happened to other people it's um it's also reminded me of um the importance of trying to like really destigmatize mental health because otherwise we're it's like you're not only depressed and suicidal but you sh- we are putting shame on someone that they, you know, like, okay, you're what, you've got eight bags of groceries. Here's a 40th, you know? So I've, I like being confident and comfortable enough to talk about these things. And then also to admit when I don't know anything, you know, um, there's no harm in asking. There's no harm in trying. I, I always wanted a third kid. Maybe this Like this new branch of my career—the podcast, the uh, book—maybe this is my third child.
1: So it could be. I mean, it's what you're giving energy to. It sounds like the energy is allowing people to come on and be be themselves and to discuss some very um, what what people might consider deep, dark secrets that they may have. Or and I find that I've had a lot of similar people, and I tell them they get really nervous. I said your story is going to help somebody, you know, people are listening. To, you don't know who listens to your podcast. I mean, there may be metrics and stuff, but I'm always surprised about people who are listening that never say anything. And all of a sudden they say, Oh yeah, I've been checking this out. I'm like, really?
2: Yeah. Like, same.
1: I haven't, you've made no mention of this <laughs> at all. Right. You know, like ever. Yeah. And all of a sudden just pops up, you know,
2: it's, it's exciting. You know, I am um, one of the, like with, my the the book my book as uh, uh, my book ten steps to finding happy as I like to say. A it should have been called happier and B. Um, it's uh, I think the book is good. I have had some of the you know readers like readers reviewers say that it really made a difference or made them look at life differently and that's huge because I am not a self help book reader and never thought. You know, like I—I th- I thought *The Secret* gave people a lot of new vocabulary to use, but I never thought a vision board was going to change the world. But, um, but once I started getting more and more involved in suicide awareness and you know speaking out about it and the destigmatizing, I—I um, I decided that this book and the launch of this book is sort of my platform for um, bringing awareness to the need to destigmatize mental health and so I literally I made these postcards it's essentially the cover of my book they're oversized yes. postcards I made 3,000 of them
1: you pumped <laughs> it up 3,000
2: 3,000 and I have been sending them all across the country nope all across the world I had to figure out how to address stuff to England um, for anyone yep. who wants to be a part of it and then I'm trying to launch this You know, like social movement where on March 20th, um, when the book is released, it's the International Day of Happiness. And I want people to post a picture of life themselves holding this and using the stigma, you know, 10 steps and this hashtag 10 steps and the stigma, hashtag mental health awareness. And I just want to reach one person who is struggling and have them know they're not alone. You
1: know. I, I think you're going to do that well before March 20th, <laughs> and it's been happening, I would I, imagine. I hope
2: so. I hope so. But that means I'll be hounding you for your address at some point.
1: Yes, you should do that. We should definitely do that. So, you know, have have you seen a lot of, I'm sure you have, it seems like there's a lot of information related to an increase in suicide amongst teenagers in yeah. this time and age. What's your take on that? What do you think the root cause of this is?
2: Well, it's not what you think it is. Mm. It's not what everyone else thinks it is.
1: What do they think it is?
2: What do you think it is?
1: Isolation, loneliness, um, lack of parental involvement, bullying. um, I'm just throwing a lot of things out here.
2: Interesting, but you missed the thing that we all like to blame everything on. Social media. media. Right. (laughs) Right. It's actually not social media. It is, um, so contagion among, suicidal contagion is very common among teenagers. You know, you can
1: track- Let me back up. Suicidal contagion.
2: Suicide is contagious.
1: Let's talk about that. I've never heard that before. Explain further.
2: Uh, I am in a, you know, I'm in Long Island, New York. I'm in a small-ish town. There's a bunch of smallish towns. We're very, although we're 45 minutes from the city, we're um, the city of Manhattan. It's, a, it's very suburban. Like we move out here for the white picket fences. My last house literally had a white picket fence. And right. so, and also it's sort of children of the corn, like where every, like if oh, you wow. grow up here, you go away and then you move back here with your family. It's, it's weird, really? but yeah, I mean, in a small town feel where it's nice and, you know, and also creepy. And if I had grown up here, I would never move back to here. But I didn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> But my husband did. So, I like these
1: tangents you go on. They're I know. pretty funny. They're hilarious, and, by the way.
2: You know what? I think my ADD meds is, is just failing me. Actually. No, it's good.
1: I, I think we should have tangents. It makes, I don't know. I, it's just funny.
2: I agree. I also hate when people are like, let's get back to the topic. I'm like, there
1: are, are you kidding companies. me? Are you kidding me? I listen, I'll believe me, we'll get back to the contagion coming no, up. No, we here. are but going
2: to the contagion, so we're gonna get to it,
1: but it's okay to have sidetracks here. little.
2: That's good because I get sidetracked. What are um, you doing?
1: Like, what is that? I'm taking like,
2: my ADD meds. <laughs> I'm
1: like looking, I'm like, what is that with the bag? Like, <laughs>
2: um, because I was supposed to take it and I forgot. Um, I just got diagnosed six months ago. Um, before then, I thought I was just a struggle bus, and so now it turns right, out, right i am a struggle boss but i've managed to get this far <laughs> so you know
1: yeah okay mm. the medication is is being taken
2: so yeah, anyways thumbs up i am pro meds when used appropriately so a uh, small town two two like two, one or two towns over in january of last year 2019 a uh, boy who had just graduated from high school killed himself within a month a girl that was went to the same high school killed herself in the same way. And then, fast forward to September of this year in my town, a third boy, a third child, um, this kid was a child, he was 15, like, you know, um, killed himself in the same manner. Uh, these, like, clusters are not uncommon, and, in fact, um, they're very common, and mm-hmm. That show, 13 Reasons Why, where I was, yes, yeah, it was deeply traumatic. I mean, but it turned, and I was adamantly against, I was like, people were arguing that this would cause um, teenagers to commit suicide, and I argued vehemently against it. And in fact, it did. Um, the number of suicides uh, in like that year and the next year, whatever, um, spiked significantly versus previous years so there is a contagious element of it and guess what is responsible for that tell me the 24-hour news cycle
1: hmm all right explain
2: so when we you know it used to be that you had an hour of news we didn't used to have like a CNN and a c-span and a you know um, constant news coverage and so information wasn't transmitted as quickly or in the same manner you know um i imagine school shootings are contagious in a similar way actually but because we're now you know we're now i don't want to say glorifying but we are we have this constant need for more information and it really is quite invasive and if you look at the The numbers the demographics it's the suicide contagion spiked before the um you know the the real rise in social media it was long before 2000 you know 2008 was facebook it was long before 2008 it was i can't remember the year to be perfectly honest i'm blanking on it but it was much earlier that this this started emerging and of course now that we have Eight different ways to communicate with each other, uh, it's gotten worse. And if you think about it, it's just basic social psychology. You know, there's a leader, there's a message, there's how the leader communicates and um, what the message is. And the kids that, at least the three that I'm referring to that committed suicide were, were all like, you know, kids that people liked, there wasn't any bullying, there wasn't any... Um, you know, generally what happens is someone is really, and you're really depressed and like, you can't get it together to commit suicide, but usually people attempt suicide when things start to get a little better and then something bad happens. And then the adults, we were, you know, we go to our social psychology and we attempt to find reason and logic uh where there may not be any and we we place reason like he was being bullied her mom was beating her um his girlfriend had just broken up with her whatever it is it's like a not my family not my you know not in my home subconscious mentality and the rumors start flying and this you know uh the adult community members distance ourselves and then the teens, the kids who are actually much better tapped into what's going on and what was going on with the kid, they start thinking about their own life and um, often more, you know, more attempts follow. I was very upset because in my town, when this most recent suicide happened in September, uh, the family asked, I don't know if it's asking or denial, but it was referred to repeatedly as a tragic accident by the school the um newspapers the um whatnot it was not a tra- like it was a tragedy it was not it was a very deliberate um you know action and the teenagers that I spoke to from the high school they were very pissed at the way the school handled it you know and off the record so were some of the Uh, mental health or the uh, support staff or whatever we call it that I spoke, that I have relationships. You know, the school handled it the way they had to. The district handled it the way they had to. But my biggest concern was, are we going to create more copycat suicides by not addressing it, by shaming people into silence? And in fact, what happened was I got an influx of uh, suicidal teenage patients as a result of these deaths because i think parents started asking questions and kids started talking about it
1: what's so. the i'm still kind of thinking about this contagion you know it's like what's the pull towards teenagers feeling like oh they did that so i'm gonna do it too like what's the attraction to, i don't to i don't
2: think it's like a conscious i think it's I think it depends on the teen and you know, I think in some cases it's something that they've been thinking about for a while and it becomes more real that someone else has done it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's often described to me as like when someone is suicidal, every day is literally a battle with themselves and Depression is exhausting. It is exhausting to have to go around pretending that you're just like everyone else or acting happy or trying to go through the daily activities that other people can do without an issue. You know, it is absolutely exhausting. So, if you see someone else who finds a way to get out of it and to, you know, get out of the cycle of pain it's sort of like vaping, like, you know, it's, you shouldn't do it. And, you know, but or driving drunk, like, you know, you shouldn't, but if someone else does it, it becomes more socially acceptable.
1: So interesting, though, it's kind of like, and, and, and some of, and many of those things, it's kind of like, okay, maybe you come back from it. Maybe there's another chance. Um, But on these things, to see somebody take their life, to hear about it, take their life and be like, yo, no, this is the end game. Like, yeah. that people are, that there's a contagion of the end game. Right. It's hard to imagine, it's hard to fathom to me that people are, like, teenagers specifically are like, yeah, I want to do that too, because it became viable because somebody else did. it.
2: Well, remind me what your doctorate is in.
1: My doctorate is in sports education leadership uh, with the emphasis and behavior modification. In very sport and exercise setting, so it's a sport and exercise setting based psychology degree.
2: Very interesting, um, yeah. like a sports psychology type
1: thing. Uh, similar to that, uh, but very much in like creating interventions for people to become consistent in a desirable behavior they have in a sports and exercise setting. So, real basic, like somebody wants to exercise more often, they want to start a program and they want to be continuous with it. I will, you know, use different theories and. Uh, different behaviors like shaping behaviors to keep them regular in their program. And it may be very, it's nothing like super formal. It's just certain words or like certain, like these small things lead to larger victories. There are a lot, of course, a lot of um, positive psychology uh, things, focus on your strengths and all that. Um, but it's uh, definitely something focused on primarily like how do we keep people being. Uh, exercising or being active or performing well in their sport with that
2: interesting yeah i um the only time i ever get to watch any sort of television is on the treadmill so that is how Mm -hmm. i keep that has been my motivation and so um you know oh and also i when i started i challenged myself to 30 workouts in 30 days and Mm -hmm.
1: that
2: get made it a habit frankly, you know, a
1: lot of it is just, it's, it's creating, I always, and somebody goes, well, what's the secret? What's the key? And I say, well, I would say the big overarching theme is creating less friction in your life. It's all about friction the Friction and saying, okay, what is, is there a lot of friction in your life? Whether that friction is uh, um, a significant other who is not supportive of your getting in better condition? Uh, Is it that the friction is how far away from, let's say the desired location you want to work out at is, Mm -hmm.
0: you
1: know, there's all these friction points. And if you can alleviate or decrease the friction somebody has, the simple things like, hey, why don't you just wear your exercise clothes um, before, like during the day so that, you know, and that's like companies that are like Lululemon and all these things, they've they've made that type of clothing acceptable. For people yeah. to wear, to like pick their kids up and stuff. So it's like people are they're creating less friction, whether they know it or not, to go and work out. But the funny thing is, a lot of people wear those type of clothes that actually don't work out. So I'm not sure how well it's working for a lot of those things. You know? It's
2: yeah, no, I agree. That's really interesting. You have a it's an interesting field. I I knew nothing about. Um, you know, my I mean, my doctorate is in clinical psychology, but I yeah. I took the neuro, neuropsych class, neurobiology, whatever uh-huh. the heck it was called. I took it in, you know, college. And then I took it before grad school when I was trying to decide if I should, if I wanted to go to grad school. And then, of course, I took it again in graduate school. And that is helpful for me because I have, as a result of my short attention span, I have problems, um, you know, uh, Following like a complicated series of tasks, yeah. so I. But as it turns out, and I'm glad you asked because recently, uh, so I've started writing my next book, which is going to be for teenagers and parents to help them better mm-hmm. understand suicidal thoughts. So I was looking up, you know, the prefrontal, blah blah, blah prefrontal, blah, blah, blah. exactly. <laughs> uh, what happens when your mouth runs out? Um, uh, the 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 prefrontal cortex. Um doesn't fully develop until you're 25 years old, mm-hmm. roughly. Yeah. But at um at uh, like 11, 12, 13, you've got the hormones that are surging, and um you know the limbic system is sending out these uh crazy like uh, uh not attention seeking but like sensation seeking behavior and risk taking and the i mess up the name. I think it's called the nuclear ambulance, but I'm totally mm-hmm. destroying it. It doesn't matter, it's tough to pronounce, is, is telling you like, go out, do fun things, try new things, go out, go out. And the prefrontal cortex, which I like to call Pam, Pam is basically like your friends who gets you, who makes sure that you don't drink too much or you drink yeah. water or you get off the table and stop dancing and don't go home with that sketchy dude. Pam's in the front, you know, like Pam's in the front of the bar and your bad influence friends are in the back of the bar. right? And like, and literally like your prefrontal cortex is, you know, up here by your forehead and then your, but your synapses start growing and functioning and developing in the back. And that makes sense because that's where the brainstem is. And yes, we need to survive. But so the teenage brain is telling you, go out, try new things, do this, you know, immediate gratification. Um, and their prefrontal cortex hasn't yet developed in a way to support d- decision-making, weighing pros and cons, sure. executive functioning. So they're the worst at like, I mean, that's why we've got all the, you know, nudie pics going around, you know, or the impulsiveness. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the substance uh, experimentation and, or abuse as the case may be and here's the thing we need that sensation seeking trying new things gratification aspect of our um of our brains to develop because otherwise we would stay in our parents houses for the rest of our life and have no desire to move on or to try new things or to get jobs or to have the the courage you know so we need this sensation seeking behavior in order to function but the brain has messed up in the develop in this you know like this process was made wrong and so you're trying new things or having all these like extreme emotions where when your body is changing and you're you know like you physically or feel awkward or um, emotionally you're super sensitive and you've got this whole jumble of stuff going around And Pam has not gotten to the front of the bar to protect you from yourself. Um,
1: Sometimes Pam doesn't work when you're older either. (laughs) I know, I know.
2: But and how do you think I came up with this analogy? Uh, I got
1: it. I got it. What is with the nudie pics, or, it, or I'm gonna just say it. What's with the dick pics, man? Oh, but what I didn't know with, if
2: I was allowed to. I don't know. You can say whatever
1: you want on here, okay? God,
2: I would drop so many f bombs so so much sooner. Don't worry um, about
1: it. Just say whatever you want to say. You know. Um,
2: you know, I think that the dick pics and the and now that they do like bra pics in high school and bra. Um, pics bra pics, you know, like, because the girls reason it out is like, oh, it's just the same as a bathing suit, but, you know, it's, what? um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and not then, so
0: was, sure about that.
2: <laughs> I know, and then one person spreads it to another, spreads it to another, but it's an experimentation in sexuality, you know, it's, it's, there's also something about removing yourself, like, when you take a picture, it's sort of, um, removing yourself from the situation by putting one more thing in front of you and the sure. activity. You know, I I personally, when something ridiculous happens, like good, bad, whatever, or if I walk in on like my kid doing something and I can't even believe it, like um, I walked in on one of my children naked in the kitchen making lunch for them and their sibling for the next day. And I was yeah. like, what are you doing?
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: This, this, right it's hysterical <laughs> and the first thing i did was take a picture which my husband then made me delete because it's kitty porn. but i was like but they were trying to be helpful but this child also has uh attention issues and so much like me it's <laughs> one thing and then totally distracted i was like what the hell are you doing like and uh that had nothing to do with sexuality uh, but on the <laughs> child's part It's just distractibility.
1: (laughs) Like, I forgot to put on my clothes. Right, like,
2: like, I literally picked up my phone, took a picture, and then, of course, didn't send it to anyone because Kitty Porn. And the child covered their, you know, nether regions and whatever. But so I, you know, it's like we have this, it's a way to, to, um, to protect ourselves. Like, a camera is almost like a weapon in a sense where it makes you feel safe. And so, you know, it's just a picture, what's the big deal? And then it's really pretty destructive. And also, yeah. like, like, girls are, the desire to be sexy is, starts a lot earlier. Like, my yeah. eight-year-old and I have, art. well, she's now nine, but like, last summer we had a lot of arguments about the length of her shorts. Because um, um. I don't see a reason to sexualize a child.
1: Um, My daughter's eight, and we had to have the same conversation. She wants to really wear these, like, booty shorts, really tight. I'm like, you're not wearing these, man. I'm like, this is... I was telling my wife, I'm like, this feels so early for all this stuff. But it seems pretty common these days, you know? It is
2: pretty common. Common, I think, um, honestly, I... I want, there's a podcast about the fall of Rome and I really want to listen to it because I'm pretty sure we're heading in that direction Um, because it just seems like we're sort of deteriorating and loosening our moral standards and I don't mean, I'm not talking about like um, the sanctity of marriage or homosexuality or polygamy or, you know, anything like that. I'm just talking about sort of how we raise children and the values we um, try to pass on, you know, and it's tough. And part of it is that, I mean, uh, you know, we like, we need a two family income in order to survive. And so how, how do you do it all? Um, you know, and, and still raise kids that aren't little mini whores. So I don't know.
1: Mm. Wow. Uh, isn't the fall in Rome kind of a whole thing, uh, beca- becoming kind of, you know, fat, lazy, um, not really focused on kind of the hardcore elements of what the previous civilization was. It was just kind of like, hey, opulence. We're chilling um, a lot. I, was, I, I mean, I don't know it completely. I've kind I of heard around know. it. all well.
2: I don't know, but I, I, I know a lot of people relate the fall of Rome also to homosexuality, which is why. I In
1: what way? To... Like what? When
2: um, I don't know. Something with Aristotle or. One of those dudes. I don't
1: really <laughs> like know. one of those dudes. <laughs> one of those
2: dudes. Either way, I don't mean it in that way. I just mean it in like a shifting in values. Yeah,
1: but like opulence. Yeah. Sure. Like know. over the top indulgence. Like uh, I don't know. I I think there's a deterioration that I I can only speak of what I see because I can't speak for other people. I mean, I'm not in I'm not in their experiences, but what I see is is kind of a lack of like. Very, um, like, etiquette behavior. Yeah. Like, I see people, like, people don't look at each other anymore and say hello unless you're in certain. Like, I'm in a state, of Washington, where people always say hi to each other. They don't know each other from anything. And they're very cordial and they want to help you regardless of whether they know you. I have, I've lived almost all over the United States. That is not common in the United States. And, uh, and, and what I've seen is kind of a deterioration of helping each other. And and more isolation and cutting off of each other and say, hey, listen, I really want to get out there. I'm just gonna live my life, concern myself with me. I think that's very destructive because I think our community as human beings, as a species, I think is designed to be around each other and help each 100%. other. Right. And be helpful to each other and help the civilization grow. Civilization meaning humans, not different sects of humans, but different the human species grow. And I feel like we're just trying to like, basically, we're not like almost oh, just hide in my garage and close the w- the windows, pull the blinds down. Let's not really you know connect. And I think that is a deterioration that is really destructive. I think.
2: I agree. I you know I I only went on social media. I mean, Facebook I've had since two thousand eight, but like I only went on Instagram and all this. Like everything has unfolded for me in the last. God, I think six months is when I, you Mm -hmm. know, became a part of this. But for me, the greatest thing about Instagram, which I swore I would never do because it was too complicated, but (laughs) is finding people who like think similarly to me, finding moms that like struggle and admit to their mistakes and admit to their children's imperfections and really being able to have some place to put my feelings at the, you know, end of the day because although my husband is fantastic and I you know my best friend is great like these are people that you know you self-select through hashtags and hopefully <laughs> you know so, so, are support are like your people you find your you know your fellow yeah. struggles I mean um my I'll tell you my proud mom moment because our kids our daughters are the same age um a few there is a mom who is not very nice in town and her husband who is super duper crazy pants the only person i've ever seen get kicked out of a board meeting in a small town um because he's just insane and um their daughter is really not nice and is a bully and is constantly complaining to the school that she is being targeted and bullied so um she and my daughter have like an overlap in like friends, acquaintances, and also I raised my kid to be nice, and so my daughter's walking down the hall and she says hi, and the girl says hi yourself, ugly face.
1: Wow, it's not nice.
2: <laughs> I said, are are you okay? Like, how do you feel? You know, like I'm thinking, who do I kill first? But like, <laughs> you know, are you okay? How do you feel? And she goes, I'm fine. I'm beautiful. She's just a bee. I was like yeah okay (laughs) but she didn't use the word she said be and so yeah yeah and so it is true but um i think we also forget to be kind and you know we forget to raise kind children and we're focusing on you know grades and we're crafting college resumes in the you know in the sixth grade so it's a lot of pressure
1: I can tell you I'm not doing that. There's no college resumes being crafted right now. <laughs> you know, it's like, I just think it's crazy. I think I let children be children, but you need to give them structure and boundaries and you need to teach them to be kind to other people. My daughter sees me saying hello to like every single person that I walk by. Yeah. You know what? She starts doing it too. She's like, hey, how's it going? blah oh, blah. And then there, everybody's so surprised by that all the time. I'm like, it's really... They're mimicking your behavior. It's like any behavior. It's learned either like in one big, I'm sure you probably know, but in in, in sports psychology or in exercise psychology, there's this whole learned helplessness, you know. There's learned helplessness
2: in everything. Yeah.
1: Right. It's like you can learn to be helpless. You could learn to be positive. You know, like Albert Bandura was big into that, you know, um, social learning behavior. You know, I, I'm really a big proponent of that and that people are out they have their own personalities and stuff. But they also look and see my daughter's watching me to see how I act, how sure. I inter- how I handle certain situations. And at eight years old, she will surely tell me about it. Oh, dad, I saw you act like that with that person. I see what you did there. I, you know, like I'm on blast all the time. Same, oh, yeah, and my right? son has,
2: and my son has my own sarcastic sense of humor, you know. Right. And uh, apparently, I've raised my daughter with less, you know, uh, body issues that I have, which thank God, you know. And that's yeah. I think the best we can hope for is to make different mistakes than our parents, because we're all mm. going to make mistakes. There's no perfect parents. Yeah. You know, so... But don't um, send those
1: bra pics, though. Don't be sending those bra pics, man. No, no they're <laughs> just going
2: to go around, and it's crazy. Oh.
1: I don't understand. I, I mean, I suppose, like, when I'm 41, I suppose, like, when I was in high school or junior high, it wouldn't have mattered because that would have... had If we had social media and all that stuff, or we had phones, we would have done that, too. Like, people in our age would have probably done the same behavior. I don't think If we so. had those things. No? If we had had smartphones, if we had smartphones
2: during that time. So I'm 42, so we're the same age. And so when, it's funny because we had uh, a few years ago, you know, New York was hit by Hurricane Sandy and it was particularly destructive in my town and there was no gas to be had in gas stations and whatnot. And through social media, a, a guy that I had gone to middle school with reached out to me, cause I was complaining about the gas lines and he's like, hey, he worked for a, he was like a, like a drug rep or something, but like for uh-huh. medical devices. And so as a way to schmooze, they had, um, you know, loaded up his car with supplies, etc., And he was coming down, he was in Maryland. He was coming down here to, to like schmooze with the doctors and whatnot with water. And uh, it was a brilliant strategy but PS he in fact um, offered to bring me you know gas and he did and one of the th- and so we reconnected and one of the second things out of his mouth after we decided on like you know the gas exchange place was you know I still remember you were the first girl to wear a bra in fifth grade <laughs> like, yeah
1: really that's, that's...
2: I was thank you but uh but no one ever <laughs> like <laughs> no one ever told Like, no one said anything. No one, like, snapped my bra strap. No one, you know, ever asked, you know, for anything. Like, I think it was different because also, like, guys in middle school are asking girls to, you know, they're asking for these pictures. They're asking them to flash them in person, you know.
1: Wow. Um, You know, that I could, you know what? So, yeah, that wouldn't have happened when I was, when I was that age, guys were not doing that. They definitely weren't doing that. See. But I think, like, but I think... It's hard for me to know completely because if they had this phone, which is so addictive to so many people in that teenage mind, I think some guys would be doing it and some girls. There there may have been some people. It just takes one person to start doing it. I
2: don't yeah, I think, think there they may have been some. I
1: don't think they would have thought you don't think they would have thought. They thought, of thought of it. But if they had the, I mean, the option though.
2: I mean, listen, back when we had beepers, like the worst I had a beeper. Do... Yeah, my husband had one. You could you could write out boob, you know, or like, like yeah. the calculators, you know, like we were just
1: on it
2: a was a different, yeah, eight zero zero eight. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I just don't think, based on what we saw on television and in social, you know, um, like it's social situations. By the way. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think we would have been doing it. I think it's been this slow exposure. Oh, except. Except that about a month ago, I re- went on a Little House on the Prairie podcast and spoke yeah. about the Little House on the Prairie rape episode.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Did you know there was a Little House on the Prairie rape episode? No. Yeah, no one does. But it was it was about a 14-year-old girl being raped by a guy in a mime outfit and then slut-shamed and then she dies. But it was unbelievable. And yeah. um, so other than that, which I don't think got a lot of airplay because it was the seventh season of... You know, little house in the prairie, well, like I mean, yeah, it was all a lot more tame. Like James Bond was the worst, you know, sexual innuendos.
1: I mean, you give him, you're making me think, you know, listen, that we were better. You know, we're better than these guys now. <laughs> <laughs> we're just better. We're better than these these weirdos now. I just, I don't know, but you no, know, it's an interesting back and forth. I think I, I. I would say there's a lot of validity to what you're saying, because I'm really thinking about like, what was it like back then? But then I still think it's going to there's, there's definitely a couple guys that I knew in high school. If they had it and they knew how to use it, eh, they probably would have done something weird. Yeah, but I don't know probably if it would be that, this, you know, ouch. I'm <laughs> like, I, don't saying. Know. I mean, you know, I mean, are these the guys that uh, I don't
2: know? I just I I'm sure I don't know.
1: I, I just think, you know, could have been one good. At least I don't know. I just think I, How do I know. They have the power of this phone, and they have the same functions we have today. The cameras, the whole thing. Let's say they had social media. I don't know. Would it be the same? Would it be different? Maybe our values were different, and we would have abstained from some of these things?
2: Or our parents were allowed I'm to not beat, sure. I'm beat not our sure. asses, you know? Like-
1: yeah, you know, my mom definitely beat my ass, man. Yeah. I ain't going to lie about that. I mean, I got, you know, did you ever get the ruler? I got the ruler when I was, like, really young. No. Like, like, like when the teachers, do you remember when teachers could spank students? Are you sure you're 41 and not 91? I'm 41, I'm telling you. I got, it happened one time when I was really young and she slapped it and it it broke. It broke. Wow. I remember that. I would shut up Uh, and
2: beat your teacher's ass if I was
1: your mom. No, my mom probably gave me a second helping of that. (laughs) I was not the best behaved like like two through eight year old. Probably, you know, I was a boy. I was very wild. My brother and I you know, and then I just mellowed out. I just, se- severely just mellowed out after that. I remember Show the last me. spanking I got. Yeah. I was like ten.
2: Show me and, a well-behaved two through eight-year-old. They're all pain. I know.
1: I know. And I remember I told my mom, I'm like, I'm done getting spanked, man. <laughs> and I just, I told her, I said, I'm done with this. And I and I just started behaving. It's like I just wanted to. Then that's when I decided I wanted to be good. <laughs> just and your happened
2: mom now. shaped your behavior, which is my mom. Why. You know
1: what? I never regret any of that. Yeah, my mom may or may not listen to this. I don't, it doesn't matter, but, but like she it was tough.
0: Matter if-
1: it doesn't matter because I don't care about the blowback if there's any blowback. For, uh, that's what okay. I mean. Yeah, no, no, it may, of course, it's nicer. She listens to it, but I'm not, she, I don't think she would care. She'd be like, Yeah, you, I, you needed discipline. And that was back then when there was a lot of that going on maybe there is more now i don't know but
2: um there is, i don't regret only, it though. there is but only in certain like um you know it's like i think it's like an ethnic cultural thing and yeah. um based on that but no i meant it in a positive way like your mom was able to shape your behavior and now your yeah. profession is shaping other people's behavior
1: my that is true what a connection you just Ooh. made there. yes i You know, I think for me, like what I've learned the most about my education and my experiences is that people um, have a great power inside them to be a facilitator for good and for bad. You can grow both those things amazingly well. And I choose to be good. I choose to do the things that maybe aren't as sensationalized or popular in pop culture. And Being good is not popular. It's not like this thing that gets you like all these... Views and everybody's like, look at this guy who's so positive. Like we're just just millions of people rallied around this positive person. Like you know, and it's it's like people rally around negativity. They like rally around. Maybe that rally is not the right word, but they they move towards like the TV shows, the the news. They they they're they're con- they're connected to it. Like even if they're like that's terrible, they're still watching it. Yeah, you know, they're still. Being pulled, to, even you say, "Oh, this is terrible," but then it's like the car crash. This is bad, but everybody rushes out to watch. If you're on the highway and there's a car crash and there's and there's, you know, paramedics are on site and everybody's taking care of it, it's still like an hour wait on the on the road.
2: Yeah, people I- are
1: addicted to the car crash.
2: I don't, I don't know if I choose to be good or bad. I think I choose to be like Harley Quinn in this new uh, Canary Girls new, movie. Uh,
1: oh, you, the Birds of Prey, yeah.
2: Yeah, are you a superhero? I'm not.
1: Person? I'm big into superhero movies. Honestly, I'm not gonna go watch that movie. I'm Honestly,
2: I am. I absolutely am. And um, but that's because we're we're a huge superhero family. But uh, Harley Quinn was a psychologist, and then yes. she fell in love with the Joker. But in this movie she is like a bad guy good guy and so i think that part i like and i think Did I you
1: like jared leto's joker as you
2: well i mean if you're asking me if i was completely impressed and horrified by it yes
1: okay um,
2: and i also like its take on the mental health system because i do believe our mental health system is broken
1: i, I totally agree with that totally yeah. agree i like so superheroes I- i'm a big superhero movie person
2: but not Harley
1: Quinn. But not Harley. I know. I mean, I like Suicide Squad, but The Birds of Prey. I don't know. I'm just. I wasn't impressed with the trailer. I just wasn't that into it. I was like, mm, mm, I
2: mean, I don't
1: know. It's I gonna don't come know. out in like a week and a half after it comes out of the movie No, way. Actually, you barely I have to go to the that. movies now. It'll be out in a month after the movies. Are like, I think you're right. Oh
2: no, I'm not gonna go see it in the theater. I mean, that's oh, that's
1: right. what I thought you were saying. I have
2: children. When would I do that?
1: Like, nah. no.
2: <laughs> nah.
1: no i might watch it on like on demand or something like that but i'm not going to the movies to watch
2: yeah valid valid point I i'm agree
1: just saying with it seems like a sub superhero deal like it's not like is that an A-level. It's a woman? <clears throat> no and i know you're gonna say i have felt a feeling you're gonna say that it just doesn't seem exciting to me i don't know it's just not exciting i love the female superheroes wonder woman is like that was one of my favorite movies man
2: and yeah. Wonder Woman
1: 1984 is coming out. I'm pretty pumped about it. Very pumped about
2: it. I am very pumped too.
1: Like soup, like more than I probably should be pumped.
2: About, really? Yeah. Now I gotta get more pumped. I'm excited for um, Black Widow.
1: You know what? I'm undecided. You know, only, only, <laughs> you're shaking your head at me right now.
2: I do I, I like don't the understand. character. She doesn't have any Are
1: superpowers.
2: He... That's okay. Who's your favorite superhero?
1: Oh, that's a pretty loaded question, right?
2: Yeah, let's
1: hear it. <laughs> like, actually, so you're gonna combat me because I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that it's uh, Captain America, and you're gonna be like, well, he was injected with like the super serum. I mean, basically, has superpowers. You know, Why? I is like your- him. Oh, it's it a good guy. He's a positive guy. Yeah, I don't really like villains. I don't, mm-hmm. But the only villain I've really liked is Thanos because he's very poetic, actually
2: yeah i thought that was cool too um i my favorite superhero is green lantern because anything he imagines he can create
1: that's a pretty good one yeah that's a pretty good one that's a pretty good one it still hasn't been done well though the ryan reynolds one was not very good
2: fine but it was very pretty to look at (laughs)
1: this (laughs) you know what we've done here We've, we've disagreed, totally we've topic, disagreed, right? and we've agreed, and that's a conversation. <laughs> that
2: is true.
1: That is true. <laughs> you know what, Lindsay? There's going to be a part two of this, I feel. I'm
2: excited. Uh, yeah, I want. And when I, you know, the book comes out, I want your help promoting it, and I yeah. really want your help talking about raising suicide awareness and ending the stigma.
1: I'm totally into it. I think it's a positive... Um, direction to be going in and to you know help people who are afflicted and especially teenagers. I have a huge heart for teenagers. I identify quite a bit with teenagers. Um, worked with many teenagers and, and training them, you know, physically and stuff, personal training. And I just get that mentality. I get that time, the awkwardness, the feelings, the emotions. So uh, helping teenagers is a really worthwhile endeavor to me. So yeah, I want to have you on again. Let's talk further about it. Clear Really, we're going to go on many tangents every time.
2: I'm fine with that. Which I,
1: which I love. I love, by the way. Good. So, well, thank you for being on, Lindsay. And um, we will definitely be in touch. I promise you.
2: Sounds good. Thank you very much. All
1: right.
0: Have a good one. You Later. too. Bye-bye.